You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Welcome to the Spirits of Go with Brother Rod. Tonight we are continuing our episode of Mark My Word. Um, tonight we'll be covering Chapter 11 and Chapter 12. So, again, we thank you guys for calling and um, giving us the opportunity to hear your ear. Um, and, again, thank you guys totally from, from letting us being that vessel uh, that, we can, that we can use technology to study the Bible and minister gospel. So, again, welcome to the Spirits of Go. I am Brother Rod. We continue to mark my word. And just to do a little recap, um, this is just called Mark My Word, and our, and our foundation verse is Galatians chapter 6. Um, chapter 6, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived that God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, he will also reap. So there we go with our start of Mark My Word. You will reap what you sow. Mark My Word. Amen. Uh, one thing about the book of Mark, uh, out of the four Gospels, Mark is... Um, it's the shortest gospel, and it's about 90% of his material is also in Matthew and Luke. But what makes it a little different, he gives colorful details that others don't. For example, he mentions the way Jesus looked at the disciples, how he was angry, and how he walked ahead on the road to Jerusalem. Um, so it's no doubt that he's hearing these accounts from Peter uh, which uh, Mark is known to be an associate of Peter at the end of Peter's life. So, you know, in chapter 1, Mark starts right with the baptism of Jesus uh, when John the Baptist pays the way, right? So John came and he preaching um, a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And when his hearers didn't repent, John baptized them as an outward expression or about faith. Um, so the baptism separated them publicly from the massive nation of Israel uh, who had forsaken the Lord. So it united them in a remnant where you were ready to receive Christ. So here Christ comes, and John said, listen, this is the one that I'm baptizing you in the name of. Here he comes. The time is now. So that's where, uh, that's where Mark picks up. Um, and then Jesus starts to, to, to forgive, and he goes through his ministries. He's healing and he's picking his disciples. So we get that story and all the miracles. And we see um, during this time where Jesus is moving how the enemy is trying to stop his ministry, trying to stop him performing um, these uh, things that the Lord has called him to do on earth. Now, ultimately, everything points to the cross, like that's where we're headed, right? So Jesus is here to save the world, a world that needs saving um, an opportunity to reconcile with his creation. So um, that's where we are. And uh, we ended last week, um, chapter 9 and 10 of Mark, where Jesus' um, disciples was going and they was healing. They was like, Lord, you know, why couldn't we do it? 
You know, so we went over that. It wasn't the fact that they couldn't do it. It was about the believing part, right? It's the key element of our faith. Um, God says, though, anything is possible for those who believe. Amen. So, um, and we also talk about marriage and divorce, right? The do's and won'ts and uh, what God accepts and what God um, gives us about divorce. Um, So as we ended chapter 10, in chapter 10, verse 47, there was Bartimaeus who recognized and addressed our Lord as the son of David. It was ironical that while the nation of Israel was blind to the presence of the Messiah, a blind Jew had a true spiritual sight, right? So that's why I kind of want to pick up to go into Mark chapter 11 is where Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. Amen. And the Bible say he even got louder when the people told him to be quiet, right? So when we're looking to search and get that thing we need from the Lord, we have to elevate. We have to even be even louder. Um, so Mark chapter 10, verse 52 says, Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. So he acknowledged him. And when you say yes to Jesus, all the benefits come with it. And that's what I love. So not only do you receive your sight, but you see the opportunity to your faith to be well and an opportunity to follow the Lord. So all the things that come with saying yes to, to the Lord, the benefits goes with it. And that's what I love. So now we're in chapter 11 and 12. Then again, next week we'll be 13, 14. Then we'll be ending our season, of course, with 15, 16. Let's start chapter 11. It's titled The Triumphal Entry. Note. Look at your neighbor and say, when. Reminds me of when God told Moses exactly what to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, right? Amazing how we capture the same in the New Testament, Jesus commanding, and he's omniscient, right? So he's all-knowing. There will be a challenge, note, we're going to have challenges, but when we do, as the Lord has said, the challenge can't stop us. It's got to let us free. So what do you mean by that? Well, let's go in verse 1. It says, now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethage, and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a coat tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this, say the Lord has need of it immediately, he will send it here. Now, here's Jesus telling his disciples to go into the village that's going to be a, a colt, for those who don't know what a colt is, let's say a horse. He said no one has never sat on it. So, like, he's telling them go someplace and then what's going to be there. So how does he know? He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. So here's a point where Jesus is showing himself as God. So disciples follow commands, right? So he says, immediately when he's sitting here. So he goes out, he gives a commandment. You know, God was giving a commandment in the New Testament, so he's still doing it now. But Jesus is doing it what the Father does. So verse 4 says, so they went their way, and they found a coat tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who, who stood there said to them, what are you doing, loosing the coat? And they said, and they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. Highlight that, underline that. So they let them go. Then they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. 
And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. That comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Amen. Now, this is something that we really need to grab here at Bible study. Because there are many songs that, um, gospel songs, that says Hosanna. Hosanna, blessed be the rock of my salvation. <laughs> Amen. So Hosanna. So people give the name Hosanna, praise, worship, hallelujah, here comes the Lord. But actually, learn at the Spiritual Go Bible study. Hosanna, which meant originally save, we pray but which later became an exclamation of praise. Perhaps the people meant say we pray from our Roman oppressors. Because remember, at this time, Israel or Jerusalem was uh, ruled by the Roman kingdom. So there was bondage that was taking place. They were being ruled over, right? There was much freedoms for the Israelites, for the Jews, for, for the Jews in Jerusalem. So therefore, when Jesus came, they were like, oh, he's coming to free us. Right? So we translate Hosanna, save us. Right? So blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, a clear recognition that Jesus was the promised Messiah. So that part was huge because now we acknowledge who he really is, which is said that it would be in Psalms 118.26. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. They thought that the kingdom was about to be set up, which Christ will be sitting on the um, David's throne. So they're like, oh, here come the king. Rome's going to be out. He's getting ready to sit on the throne. He's going to rule. This is what the gospel is talking about, right? But little did they know. So Hosanna in the highest. I call to praise the Lord is the highest heaven or for him to save from the highest heaven. Amen. So it's glorious. Jesus gets on the coat. They lay down the leaves. He's going into Jerusalem, right? All right. So verse 11, and Jesus went into Jerusalem, into the temple. So he goes into Jerusalem. The first place he goes is to the temple. What do you mean? To the house of the Lord. Amen. So when he had looked around at all the things as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. In verse 12, he says, the fig tree withers what is titled. He says, now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, that was, he was hungry. And he sent from afar a fig tree having leaves. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Wow. Verse 15 says, so they came to Jerusalem, then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who brought and sold in the temple. And he overturned the tables of money changers and seats of those who sold doves, right? So it goes to the word how, you know, the Bible says, be angry, but do not sin, right? So it shows an example here, even Jesus was angry. Jesus went into the temple, he overturned tables, and he moved out the money changers. Hey, listen, get out the church. What do you mean? Get out the temple. Those things are wrong. 
that's in the temple has to be out. Because remember, the Bible said temple. Well, the, the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So those things that we have inside of us that don't belong, that's wrong, we need to get them out. We need to have that same anger. And I say, you know what? This is not good for me. I got to get this out of my body. Amen. So Jesus going in, he cleaning up, right? He would not allow anyone to carry worries through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now, what Jesus is doing, he's going in, he's correcting everything that's wrong. This is the same type of order that he will establish when he returns, sending everything straight. So here's an early example. He said, man, what's going to be like when Jesus comes? Man, he's going to set everything straight. He did a little bit while he was here. So here's a pre-example. Amen. And verse 18 said, and the scribes and the chiefs priests heard of it, and they sought how they might destroy him. Right? Well, we know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. So it's the enemy in place. For they feared him because all the people who were astonished at his teaching when Eden had come went out of the city. Right? So let's go back to that fig tree that, that the Lord said no one ever eat of it. In verse 20, that's where we'll start. So now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. Wow. Say, Brother Rob, well, why is that so amazing? Because it says in the notes. This is the first time that Jesus ever cursed anything. Like, up until this, he was blessing, he was healing, he was delivering, he was casting out, but he cursed the tree. Well, say, why are you saying curse? Well, it says right here in quotes in verse 20, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you what? Cursed. Has withered. Amen. Then Jesus cursed? Well, he cursed the fig tree. Don't get it twisted, right? Don't let him play your word. But here's the thing. Let's keep going so we can understand it. So highlight that, underline that for your notes. Be good Bible scholars. Verse 22 says, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes, that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will receive them. Now, I want to pause right here because this is what I want you to highlight. This is what I want you to underline. This is what I want you to practice here going forward. But as a concentration, I want us to practice it next week. I want us to either write down, I'll concentrate on the thing that we are praying for. We're going to challenge God on his word. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. And I want you to do this. If you could, just read it right before you pray at night and go to bed. The Bible says, therefore, and this is Jesus speaking, right? In my Bible, in your Bible, it should be in red. If you're not in red, you got the wrong Bible. Burn that up. Throw that away. All right? <laughs> Amen. So it should be in red. And it's Jesus speaking, our Lord and Savior. So we got to hold him to his word. So therefore, he says in verse 24, he says, therefore, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And that's what we're going to do.
Amen. And we ain't going to do nothing outside what thus says the Lord. So therefore, I'm saying to myself, and he's saying to the disciples as he speak to us, when you pray, do what? Believe. Highlight believe. And you will have them. Amen. And I'm going to say this as a note. My brother Rod, no, according to his will. Amen. Verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you of your trespasses. But if you do not forgive them, neither your Father in heaven will forgive your trespasses. So he said, listen, you can pray, and that's cool. And whatever you believe, you will receive. He said, but make note of this. One thing I also want you to do is forgive. Why is that so important? Because unforgiveness blocks your prayers. Hmm. So we thought we had to just made. But now, nah, you got to have unforgiveness on your heart. You got to have a clean heart. When you come to uh, make the prayer request um, to the Father so that our prayers won't be hindered, but they will be answered. So forgiveness is huge when it comes to the kingdom and to prayer. Right? So if you forgive them, then the Bible says um, your Father will forgive you in heaven also. But if you do not forgive neither Forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Amen. So we got that good and clear, right? So if we're going to hear one part, we need to hear the whole thing, right? So verse 27, Mark 11, verse 27 says, um, Then they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking into the temple, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him. So they got a whole group, right? They got all the titles. They got the chief priest. They got the scribe. They got they don't team up. And they said to him, "But why? But by what authority are you doing these things? And who gives you this authority to do these things?" But Jesus answered and said to them, "I also will ask you one question, since you're asking me." <laughs> RFV right there, right from version. Um, then answer me, and I will tell you. By what authority I do these things? The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. So Jesus posed a question. He said, the baptism of John, was it from heaven or from man? And they reasoned among themselves, if we say from heaven, he would say, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, they feared the people for all counted John to have been a prophet indeed. So they answered and said to Jesus, we do not know. Well, and Jesus answered and said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. There you have it. Just that clear, cut and dry. So either way, Jesus already knowing what it would be. But Jesus says, listen, all things that I do, I do for the authority of my Father. And I only answer to the Lord. I don't owe you no answer. I am God. Amen. So when we sit on the right authority, our answer is to the Lord. We don't owe the enemy nothing. So Jesus gives us a prime example. As long as we are in right standing with the Lord, we answer to the Lord. Amen. Therefore, we can continue on. Amen. So now we go into chapter 12. We're getting a little bit closer, right? So Jesus has entered Jerusalem. He set some things straight in the temple, and now we are going into 
um, chapter 12, which is the parable of the wicked fine dresser. Amen. So the fig tree was a sign, right, fruit. It had leaves on it, which is a profession, but there was no fruit, right? The crowd, Hosanna, would soon turn to the bloody curling crowd, crucified, right? So they was crying out Hosanna, but later on the crowd would be the crucified, the same people, right, because the Lord didn't do what they wanted him to do. Sound familiar, right? Same thing in this world. Now, this is the only miracle which Christ cursed rather than blessed, destroyed life rather than restoring it. This has been raised as a difficulty. However, the object is not valid. The creator has the sovereign right to destroy an inanimate object in order to teach an important spiritual lesson, thus save men from eternal doom, right? Although the primary interpretation of this passage relates to the nation of Israel, it has application to people of all ages who combine high talk and low walk, right? So the Lord's like, listen, I'm hungry. I desire your food. Feed me. But he's like, bro, I, like you show that you should be bearing fruit, but there ain't no fruit here. He said, Brother Rob, what do you mean? Well, you go to an elder, a pastor, a deacon, you know, someone in the gospel, when you desire to be fed the word of God, and you like, feed me. Because based on your position, based on who you are, based on you supposed to be a fig tree, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting figs. Based on you presenting your position in the gospel, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting to be fed. But you give me nothing. So God says, Jesus says, listen, it's going to be a lot of people that put on a lot of shows that look like they should be fed, but they ain't going to be fed. So therefore, they're going to have to give an answer. They might even curse themselves. Wow, look at the word of God. Amen. So we got the fig tree example, and now we're going to 12. Let's do it. All right, the parable of the wicked vine dresser. Verse 12 says, Then he began to speak to them in parables. Right? For those who can hear, let them hear. Those who have ears, let them hear. Parables, the ability to understand that which the Lord has spoken in secret. Amen. Because all things that were spoken wasn't meant for everyone. It was only meant for those who could hear, which was the children of God. A man planted a vineyard and set a hinge around it, dug a place for the wine vat, and built a tower. So you got to imagine this. And he leased it to the vine dresser and went into a far country. Now, at the vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dresser that he might receive some of the fruit, the vineyard, the vineyard from the vine dresser. Verse 3 says, And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent them another servant, and at him they threw stones, wounded him in the head, and sent him away shamefully treated. And again, he sent another and him they killed, and many others beating some and killing some. Therefore, still having one son he beloved, he also sent him to them last, saying, They will respect my son, but those who but those vine dressers said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and inherit and the inheritance will be ours. 
So they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. Therefore, what would the owner of the vineyard do? He would come and destroy the vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Have you not even read the scripture? Then Jesus quotes from a scripture in the Bible. He says, the stone which the builder rejected has became a chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is a marvelous in our sight. And they sought to lay hands on him, but they feared the multitude, for they knew he had spoken a parable against them. So they left him and went away. Amen. The Lord just smoothed with it. Right? All of this was the fulfillment of the Old Testament scripture in Psalms 118, 23. Right? For example, it was prophesied that the Messiah would be rejected by the Jewish leaders in their building plans. They would have no place for the stone, right, the stone that was rejected. Um, the greater failure had been in the first area, but in the second, right, they had paid the, their Roman taxes, though reluctantly, but disregarded the claim of God on their lives. But we'll get into that because now we're getting into taxes. Because so they couldn't get him on that, but they was going to try to kill him at that point. But they knew that he was talking about them, and he was talking about the earth and how God had sent Moses and he had sent other prophets ahead of him and John, and it killed them. So now, now Jesus comes, right, and they want to kill him also. So the parable was set up just for that. So it's pretty straightforward. But verse 13 says, then they sent him some of the Pharisees and Herodians um, to catch him in his words. When they had come, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and care about no one, for you do not regard the person of man, but teach the way of God and the truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, hypocrisy, said to them, how do you test me? Bring me a denarius that I may see it. So he brought it. He said to them, whose image description is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus answered and said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to, to God the things that are God. And they marveled at it. Why did they marvel? No one has ever answered that way. So they come to him to give him a coin. They say, hey, Julius Caesar's face is on this coin. So the same way that um, uh, George Washington is on the dollar bill, right, and so forth. He got your presidents on these bills. So they come to him and say, hey, this, this, this guy Washington on it. Should we, should we pay taxes to Washington? So God said, give Washington what's, God, what's Washington and give, Jesus what, give to God what's God. Right, so the great failure had been in the first area, but in the had not been in the first area, but second area, they had paid their Roman taxes, though reluctantly, but had disregarded the claim of God on their lives. The coin had Caesar's image on it, and therefore belonged to Caesar. Man has God's image on him. God created man His own image, and therefore belongs to God. So what do you mean? Well, the Bible says, I offer you my living sacrifice, holy and true, as a servant unto the Lord. He said, you'll pay Caesar, but you won't even offer God what belongs to God, which is yourself, a living sacrifice. 
Amen. A walking testimony, a living testimony to share the news of God, the creator. So I have been created in God's image, so I belong to God. So the same way I can give a season what belongs to Caesar, I should be able to give what belongs to God to God. Amen. My time, my talent, my gift, my love, my joy, and the glory all belongs to Jesus. Amen. So therefore, he, they marvel. It's like, wow, this dude's dope. I like, yeah, he spit. That's in rap terms. <laughs> Amen. Let's keep going. So verse 12, verse 18, the Sadducees, what about the resurrection? So now they're going to the resurrection. They're still trying to get him, right? Um, verse 18 said, then the Sadducees who say, who say there is no resurrection came to him, and they asked him, saying, teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies and leaves his wife behind and leaves no children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring from his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and dying, he left no offspring. And the second took her, and he died, nor he laid in the offspring. And the third, likewise. So to the seven, and, and her had no, left no offspring. Last of all, the women died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, when they arise, whose wife would she be? For all seven had, had her as a wife. So Jesus answered and said to them, Are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know the scripture nor the power of God? Verse 25 says, says, For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor give in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But concerning the dead, they write, they, oh, forgive me, y'all. Verse 26, But concerning the dead, that they rise. Have you not read in the book of Moses and the burning bush passage how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You are therefore greatly mistaken. Mm. What is the meaning of this? Very good. Glad you asked. This is good Bible study. <laughs> All right. So, so in, in twenty four, Jesus answered, said to them, "Are you therefore? Are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know the scripture nor the power of God?" They thought they were smart, right? So the Savior told them they were uh, ignorant of both the scriptures, which teaches resurrection, and the power of God, which raises the dead. This is what I like about it in verse twenty five. It says, "Like angels in heaven." Right? That's what you should underline right there, a bowl, like angels in heaven. First, they should know First, they should know that the marriage relationship does not continue in heaven. <clears throat> right? So, therefore, husband and wife get married. Right? Me and my wife are married. So, therefore, when we get to heaven, <clears throat> that marriage relationship does not continue in heaven. That's the gospel. The Bible says, Believers will recognize one another in heaven and will not lose their distinction as man or woman, but they will neither marry nor given in marriage, and in that respect, they will resemble the angels in heaven. So we will have the wings in heaven. We will resemble the angels in heaven. So that answers that. Because sometimes people wonder. But Jesus has said it, and it's in red. Prayerfully, it's in your Bible. You have underlined it. The Lord is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. So, the scribe, which is the first commandment of all, 
is chapter 12, verse 28. We almost done. Our early night tonight. Right? It says, then one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which of the first commandment, which is the first commandment of all? Right? So they, now they get into the commandments. They try to get him on uh, marriage. Um, they try to get him on, on raising of the dead. So now they're trying to ask him about the commandments. So the Lord answered. He said, Jesus answered, the first of all, the commandment is here, O Israel, the Lord of God, Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all your heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifice. Now when Jesus saw that, he answered wisely. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom, but as one who has dared questioning him, as, but after the one who had dared question him. So Jesus finally has one um, uh, Berean, I would like to say, or study of the of the scriptures to answer correctly, and he has identified <clears throat> that the Lord answer is truly correct that there is only one God. So that pleased the Lord in that answer. Um, so God is, is to have the supreme place in man's life, right? Because the Bible kept saying all, no one, no other love can be allowed to rival the love of God. That's the note. Amen. Love to God and to one's neighbor were far more important than rituals, right? More far important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. He realized that people could go through religious ceremonies and put on a public display of pity, uh, pity without inwardly, personally, holiness. He acknowledged that God is concerned with what a man is inwardly as well as outwardly. Amen. So that was powerful. Um, transaction of conversation right there. Amen. So let's continue. Jesus had, Jesus, how can David call his descendants Lord? Well, verse 35 says, then Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple, how is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, David himself calls him Lord. Mm. So if David called the Lord Lord, how can the Lord be the, be the uh, descendant of David? Got him again. And the common people heard him gladly. Right? Because at that point it made sense. Because at that point they was understanding it wrong. Beware of the scribes. Verse 28, 38. Um, chapter 12, 38. Then he said to them, and his teaching, beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long roads, love greetings in marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogue, the best places at the feast, who devour widows' houses and for pretenders make some long prayer. These will receive greater con condemnation. So he goes and says, hey, those who put on, they got the big dicks and they hold it like this, he said, be aware of them people. He said, dumb the one that'll be could even condemn even more greater. 
those that do wrong is the ones that he's talking about, right? They want the best seats and the long rows to be all these long prayers, and you just have, you know, okay. He said, beware. That's all. Pay attention. Amen. So that that's something we need to do, right? He wasn't saying if it wasn't going to be so. Uh, we weren't going to encounter that. So it's good to have a good spirit of discernment. The widow's two mites, verse 41, said, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. The one poor woman, widow, came and threw in two mites, which make uh, quadrants. So he called the disciples to himself and said to him, Surely I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who had given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she put in out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood, all that she had to the Lord. He knew that their giving did not represent a sacrifice. They gave out of their abundance. But here's a woman who comes to the Lord, and she gives all she has. Her livelihood, the Bible says. So she gives her life up. And that's how we should come to the Lord, willing to sacrifice to give our lives to the Lord, I live for you. Right? If you die for me, I will live for you. I'm going to give you all I got. And that's what the heart, that's what the Lord desires. He said, and he says, I say to you that, just put your name there, this Rod, this whoever has put in more than all those who had given to the treasure. You know what you mean? For they put in out of their abundance. But he had nothing. And her poverty, though she was already poor, she still gave the Lord all she had. Amen. And the Lord sees that. All that she had had to the Lord, he knew that had given representative sacrifices they gave out their abundance, and that's the closing note. Amen. Give it your all. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we God, we thank you for the word tonight. We thank you for showing us examples, Father God, that we may take heed, Father God, and grow in our daily lives, Father God, Lord. We thank you for your arrival, Father God. We thank you for your approach to the Christ that has delivered man from sin, and we thank you for dying for our sins. And Father God, we press into this week. Father God, we pray that if there was anything that was unpleasing you, Lord, that you forgive us, Lord, setting us a clean heart, mind, and soul, Father God. And Lord, as we press from this day, but not your presence, we love you and we honor you in all that we do. It's in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.